Welcome to Retro Encounter, episode 117. Uh, this week we are covering the Belgian uh, surrealist RPG Maker 2003 game, Off, from 2008. Uh, but before that, I'll introduce myself and my illustrious co-hosts. Uh, I'm, I'm your host this week, Robert Fenner, and joining me today are Nilsson Carroll. Ooh, illustrious. That was really nice of you. <laughs> and Mike Salosi. Happy New Year, 11 or 12 days ago. Happy New Year. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, as I said, Off is a uh, it's a surrealist game by the Belgian creator uh, Mortis Ghost, with music by Alias Conrad Coldwood. Uh, the game was first released in French in 2008, uh, with a um, English-sanctioned fan translation following shortly off shortly after by uh, a group called uh, Reconstructed Dragon, which I think actually might be an individual, not a group. But um, yeah, this is an RPG Maker 2003 game. Back when RPG Maker 2003 was uh, illegal software to have, um, that is uh, that is no longer the case. Uh, Enterbrain caved to, well, I wouldn't say caved to demand, more like they saw that people were still using this software and decided to do an an official um, official English language release. So if you want to buy a copy of RPG Maker 2003 to tool around, you can. But yes, this is uh, this is a very very bizarre little game uh, that is. It uses quite um, a minimal aesthetic um, with uh, scanned drawings and scanned pages of um, encyclopedias and textbooks to make up its graphics. Plot is... uh, Boy, where can we even start with the plot? Um, You, the player... Have been assigned the role of uh, the batter, a uh, savior who uh, who looks like a baseball player as he uh, embarks on a quest to purify the world. I'm not sure the plot meaningfully changes from that premise for the first eighty percent of the game or so. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, his definition of purifying is eliminating all you know ghosts and hostiles in the worlds he travels through, and the worlds he travels through are. Um, I, I guess four named stages that appear to be in some kind of I don't know some kind of other world or maybe an, even an underworld. It's a it's it's a little weird describing the setting of this game. Yeah, it's very peculiar. Um, is it the first time you two have played this game? I'll start with uh, you, Mike. This is the first time I've even heard of this game. And when we were um, when we were planning on the games to play in January. This was a, this was one that was suggested in a long list, and so when I was going through all the um, list of games and saw this one and briefly researched it, yeah, I decided this thing looks crazy. Anyone else interested? And then you two answered the call. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Nelson? Yeah, I remember when this game was uh, first translated into English a while back. I played it. I'm a big. Uh, I really like weird weird uh, RPG maker games. So it was definitely on my radar, but uh, I hadn't played it since then. It was never on my radar because I had, I think, a bit of a weird prejudice against RPG Maker games. Because uh, I, I don't know, like, like I like a lot of indie RPGs, but 
um, translated from French 2003 RPG maker game made in 2008 is a little too indie and unpublished for, <laughs> for me. So I was this was not on my radar at all until perhaps a month and a half ago when uh, we were discussing what games to play this month. Hmm. I I was aware of this uh, same as you, Nelson. I think when the English fan translation first came out. Um, I was kind of on the hunt for, I was really broke at the time, and I was just on the hunt for, like, weird, uh, weird indie games that, um, subverted the RPG format, and I think this one does it very, very admirably. Um, but yeah, Mike, like yourself, um, there's, there's so much badness in RPG Maker, um, so you really, <laughs> like, you have to stray from the format or be very, very proficient with the engine to, um, do something notable in it. And while, in terms of mechanics, um, Off doesn't do anything particularly, um, it doesn't stray very far from the uh, default engines of RPG Maker 2003, which aren't, aren't very compelling engines, um, but like, the, the world building and the visual, audiovisual design of this game um, sets it apart from its contemporaries in, in, in a very special way, and um, working your way through this mystery if you can even really call it a mystery is um quite the experience <laughs> and i really really love this game you know as i mentioned i really really love this game's um audiovisual aesthetics uh the music by um alias conrad coldwood it's very kind of like industrial and sparse and uses uh chopped up bits of uh of old-timey music um I would I would also be remiss to mention there is one song at the end of the game performed by a Miss Judy Garland in yeah. 1939. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, is. That's uh, the but, odd but, one but, out. But I agree. But I agree with you that the um uh the sort of quasi industrial uh, bulk of the soundtrack, the the I should say the original portions of the soundtrack are a little disarming and very very interesting. I thought it was a cool um, audio profile overall. Yeah, there's like a little bit of a like Chewy Shikawa and Tetsuo the Iron Man kind of thing going on in some parts of it. And the, the world itself, it's, it's sparse and geometric and uses pastel colors in low detail. And like, it kind of reminds me of like an NES golf game almost, but like <laughs> by way of like the color palette, color palettes of like Paladin's Quest or there's like, there's even a little bit of Mother Earthbound in there, like ever so slightly. Um, the way how, how the rectangular, all of the things like the doors and sprites were, reminded me of a particular favorite game, The Seventh Saga, which we've talked oh, about yeah. in previous episodes. Mm hmm. But but yeah, I, I basically agree. It um, it feels like a like a late NES, early SNES kind of look with a lot of very vivid colors, and each one of the zones is uh, very mon monochrome. Like uh, like in the uh, oh I don't know in Zone Two, almost everything in the outer world is pink, but in the library in the mall, everything is a deep blue. Yeah, and so it's it's like it's it it's not a lot of. There's a lot of color variety between zones, but not a lot of color variety within each zone, which is an interesting tonal choice. I'm not. I uh, there's a lot of color, but sometimes it feels too much of one color. Like, mm -hmm. like I mean, it, it made things like uh, like in the mall, which is uh, one of the more labyrinthine parts of the game. It made it made the rooms feel a little bit too look. They all looked the same. Yeah, so, some of those which, like maze portions are a bit of a pain. I gotta say. Yeah. So, um, right out of the gate, um, off is a game that breaks the fourth wall when, um, you, you take control of the batter and you're asked to put in your own name and characters start addressing you, um, by the, by the pronouns of your choice. 
Um, and uh, the first thing you're told to do is to seek the judge if you have more questions. Um, and the judge is this this creepy cat with this big smile who just speaks in riddles and very uh, Cheshire cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's got this very particular, um, deliberate way of speaking. I really appreciate. Like, um, when he when he asks if you want to, um, if you want to do the combat tutorial, he asks, um, "Would you like me to teach you the art of violent confrontation?" And I really like the way that's worded. <laughs> I also liked um, how uh, several characters in the game have like an audio bite that plays whenever they say something. Um, and yeah. and uh, the judges is a very is a very obviously human mouth. <laughs> That, was, that, that I always enjoyed hearing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as, as you said earlier, Mike, um, uh, off is made up of a number of discrete areas called zones um, where, uh, where you are um, helping the batter on his quest to, to purify areas. Um, so um, Zone Zero starts as this sort of this smallish tutorial area which will show you the ins and outs of combat and um, engaging with... Um, with what you'll encounter the most in this game, and it's, these are like relatively light numerical puzzles, where usually you're given a combination, and then you have to um, transpose that to an unmarked keypad or uh, some some variation thereof to uh, to open doors. So this is very much, I think it's very much more of a puzzle game than it is an RPG. Um, the I think the battles are really there just by for for the sake of. Seeing the bizarre art and filling in some of the uh, filling in some of the gaps of what the denizens of this world are like, and you know you're not playing this for like a challenge or uh, experience of like building up your RPG characters to you you know to those ends. It's just it's kind of like set dressing. Play on auto. Auto battle the whole game, <laughs> not the whole game, but yeah. um, maybe seventy five percent of the game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I, I didn't have it on for boss fights, and um, sometimes if like someone got poisoned, I would switch out of auto battle and and remove mm-hmm. the poison because po- uh, you and your circle buddies die very quickly <laughs> if someone yeah. gets poisoned. Um, and, and we should talk about this uh, the character art and enemy art soon. Mm. But uh, I, I mostly agree with Rob. Um, the 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 combat is only there because there is combat elements to the game. Like like the batter is there to kill ghosts and defeat the bosses of these zones. So naturally, there is a combat system to fight them. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, like the random battles really seem auxiliary and maybe not even necessary. Like, frankly, and, uh, I would find this to be a more compelling experience if, like, not if the battles were missing completely, but if there was less of them. Like, if there were just a agreed, few discrete yeah. encounters um, that, you know, the, the, I, you don't really have to grind in this game, but you you are put through put through the paces with a rather high encounter rate in some areas, and it and doesn't and also, seem necessary. Also, you're right. Um, grinding really isn't necessary. I beat the game at level 17 or so, and when I was looking around uh, for background information on the game after I beat it, I saw on some uh, on some FAQ or maybe a, w- a wiki page that the batter learns skills up to level 50 or 60. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So, so and, and that seems so unnecessary. It's like, like, did you really have to plan this far ahead? The uh, um, the the skill and experience curve doesn't even go anywhere near that like i i wasn't challenged by the last few battles at level 17 well maybe so that's it, like maybe that's part of like the dadaist theme really of like maybe. putting 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 these um skills in that are completely useless and you would have to spend an inordinate amount of time with the limited content in this game to reach them 
I, I can't imagine that would be a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, they weren't put in there by accident, but I... It, it still is head scratching, and I'm, I think that this is really just sort of a, uh, just a, you know, a, a dark surrealist story with the trappings of an old school RPG, and maybe they took the idea of having the trappings of an old RPG so seriously that they built this, you know, uh, they gave you uh, partners or party members that that are very uninvolved <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and they, and they built like a skill system level in, uh, skill system with levels into 50, into 50 plus, hmm. which yeah. I, I, I know it's a choice, but I, I think it's an eyebrow raising choice. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about the characters themselves and the art, Mike? You, you mentioned that. Sure. Um, the art uh, looks like hand drawn sketches, um, but, uh, but I'm sure it's some, it, some very complicated sort of pixel art involved. I think some where, of it uh, is, and some of it is pixel. Like, like a lot of it reminds me of like hand-drawn illustrations for a newspaper or something. Mm. Uh, like the way the batter looks in battle is this uh, is a batter in sort of mid-swing stance, but it doesn't look like it doesn't look like sprite art or p- pixel art. It looks like someone took a drawing of a baseball player from 1910 and then put it into a video <laughs> game. <laughs> And uh, at, at certain sections of the game where they're explaining to you what is happening in a certain region, like uh, the four workplaces in Zone 1 and the industrial area in Zone 3, mm-hmm. they go into, like, old-timey illustrations mm-hmm. of people working in factories and offices. Yeah. And, and, that, and that seems, like, again, that seems like an illustration from a textbook or newspaper and not, a, uh, and not pixel, art, pixel art or RPG art. And the enemies themselves are a twisted mess oh my god like, uh, like some, some of the ghosts look like relatively normal ideas of what you think a cartoon ghost would look like yeah but then you have like office workers with black trunks sprouting out of their necks and uh and it, like some hp lovecraft nonsense and um and in the hidden areas at the end at the end of the game when you revisit zones after they've been purified you fight these like they, they look like diseased babies wearing singlets. <laughs> oh the secretaries are horrible Oh yeah, and, and yeah, it's it, it's really twisted, and um, and, and again, they look like characters out of out of horror fiction, and and the game does take more of a, a horror dark tone towards the end, but it, it's uh, again, it's a little hard for me to explain it, but it's a very they and and all the art is in all of the art of your um of the characters and enemies is in black and white, even though the backgrounds in battle continue the. Uh, the, the sort of pastel color palette going on hmm. that it's, it's it's very particular and specific and sometimes unsettling <laughs> hmm. <laughs> most definitely um how about you Nelson anything to add yeah well just talking about like the battle system and like it yeah it's like really annoying to have to fight through all these random encounters but I like the idea of like this RPG maker system as a vehicle for telling yeah. jokes and like being weird and like it kind of stinks that like you actually have to like expe- like fight the actual battles to get those jokes hmm. but um it's it's really appreciated and I think they do a good job with like taking the system that RPG maker gives you and like really, really running with how weird it can be. I like it. I dig it. Even though it's 
kind of a waste of time at certain points. <laughs> I mean, like, a lot of the core battle mechanics are pretty much just what you get in RPG Maker 2003, but the um, enemy behaviors and the designs um, and, of course, like, all the writing around it, like the skill names and what these skills do and the skill animations are all... Um, they all add so much to the package um, that, yeah, it does eventually get boring because there's just too many, too many battles to hold up what what this game is meant to be. But sorry, I've ha- I'm having a really big rainstorm here, so I hope my rain isn't coming in on the mic. Um, you know, there there's there's just so many moments that make it worth it. Like when you're climbing to the top of this library and you um, have to fight like a screen filling whale as a random encounter yeah. is um, is joyous. Yeah, that that one was unexpected. Because yeah. there is no other marine life anywhere else in the game at all. <laughs> no, there's really not. <laughs> um, but uh, the batter is not alone in his quest. He finds these uh, up. Um, they're not called upgrades, are they? Uh, add-ons. Add-ons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he finds three add-ons throughout the uh, course of his journey: um, the Alpha, Omega, and Epsilon, who uh, have the uh, classes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and each of them, they're, they're like a kind of different different RPG party member. There's one who uh, specializes in uh, status ailments, one who heals, and then another who uh, buffs as well as has some has like the only um, multi multi target spells um, in the game. So um, they're all like fairly weak and kind of feel a little bit useless. Um, and also, we, sh- we should mention that, that they're identical featureless circles. Yes, that they just are. Float, yes. As float in the air next to you. It, they reminded me of um, of the option power-ups that you can pick up in a Gradius game. Yeah, they do, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> that follow you and shoot whenever you shoot. But it was... I'm, I I was puzzled as to why they have their inclusion. And, and I think at least two of them are... I think um, At least one of them is optional. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think the final the, one you kind of have to go... Not exactly out of your way, but it's in a side room that you don't have to go to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, but I mean, something like extra party members. I'm used to them being a little more meaningful. Yeah. But yeah, they're flying happy circles. (laughs) I think it's like yeah, like it's weird because like a JRPG party member is such a great way to like include more characters into a story, but it's interesting how defiant. Like the the devs were here, like oh, we want you to have party members, but like they're completely meaningless. They don't have any personality, but like we just need them for the sake of having more complex battles. Um, it's yeah, it's real jarring, um, but I think kind of smart. Hmm. Um, and by like the end of the game, like I'm kind of into. You know, like, getting equipment and, like, seeing which equipment is, like, the best for my circles. And, like, <laughs> it wasn't, like, complete... Like, that side of an RPG wasn't completely thrown out. Yeah. Like, you you right. you want you want to get through the battles as fast as possible. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it, that goes along with the uh, creator wanting to have the trappings of an RPG in this game. Like, there's... Uh, you have party members... And you and there's equipment. Even though the equipment doesn't seem to raise your stats that much, like uh, like the, the first couple ones will raise like your stats from 58 to 60 or something. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's always that sort of increment. But uh, but I, th- I think he wanted to have the stuff that's part of an RPG because he wanted to make it an RPG. But ultimately, have those things not be that necessary because, like you said, having more party members 
allows you to include more voices and personalities and more dialogue and visual interest. But the three add-ons add none of that because they're mm. identical and don't have any dialogue and may even be optional. Mm. So it's it, it, it's it's a weird choice um, making them that way. But I mean, and, and there's the obvious you know Bible analogy: Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Which, uh, but I mean, <laughs> hey, here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Nilsson mentioned the. Um the developer being very defiant and I mean like the other people in this world are pretty defiant too like most of the people that you meet are these um, sheepish uh, sheepish townsfolk and office workers who just um, they really want to fall into line and they pride safety over everything else so like most of the books in the library are, are fake so you know they don't have to like ruffle some pages or damage any books because that could get too dangerous or, you know, the the judge, this cat, I mean, he's very much got his own agenda, and he's very happy to leave this quest up to you, the player, to guide the batter. And, and then most of the other characters you beat, you meet, and you beat, are the, um, are, are the bosses of these areas who um, are either in control of these specters or believe they are or believe that you are sent by somebody to do something, which I suppose in a way you are. My, my very my very first theory for what this game was about was that it was some circle of hell or perhaps purgatory because it, all of the people the townsfolk that you meet are trapped either in their workplace or in some form of comfort when it's where, <laughs> where well like what's going on around them is clearly wrong like the yeah. uh, like the office workers in in uh, zone 1 just memorize the same numbers and and uh, are repeating the same numbers on permits over and over and over <laughs> or they're cutting they're cutting cows in half to harvest metal from inside them yeah or they're working they're working in mines where they're where they have to breathe in smoke to live and and it's like this is uh, this is a very interesting um i don't know whether you would call, want to call it a satire or a uh, or just a a spoof on on the workplace but it, it this is messed up and and the boss is a uh is is hostile and cruel yeah dead end he's this this like man in like a military jacket and no shirt and he's got like kind of like a worm face with teeth <laughs> and he's just like screaming at everybody and giving them a hard time and and they're all like very upset about it but like he's always threatening to kill people but um it seems like just to get them to fall into line and they do every time and, and also yeah the and like you said before the workers value comfort and uh and routine, and they and all they ever talk about is either their job or possibly getting transferred to uh, the the nicest area of area part of area one or yeah. the nicest area in zone one. I forget what it was called. Uh, Alma. Alma. That was it. Yeah. They, they, get, they all either talk about their job or being transferred to Alma, which seems like a you know a, a very faint hope because Alma is unpopulated. <laughs> <laughs> this this first. Uh, leg through zone one. In fact, the, the first leg of the game through zone one, it's kind of like a shaggy dog story. Like you're sent in to exterminate the ghosts from, uh, the ghost inspectors from, from the smoke mines. Um, but like on the way through the smoke mines, you get sidetracked and have to go to the metal farm and clear the ghosts out of the barn there. And then 
you end up uh, having to go to the post office and clear the ghosts there and like nobody can remember like it's all these all these admin workers with their numbers and like nobody can remember what floor the post office is on because there's <laughs> like a hundred thousand floors in this building so you have to like determine which one is saying the floor of the post office and then like enter that enter that value this, into the this elevator game loves their number mini games yeah mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Mike, as you said, like this satire of just meaningless busy work. I mean, the people in the smoke mines, they're they're bottling the smoke and sending it away. And then the people in the post office, they receive packages filled with plastic and then repackage them and send them back out. Yeah. (laughs) And they say uh, one of them, (laughs) I made a note of uh, one of them said um, with um, without plastic, there's no boundaries. People would just walk and walk without ever stopping. (laughs) And also we should mention that they keep identifying the four cardinal elements of the world as smoke, metal, plastic, and meat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they refine uh, meat into sugar in Zone 3 in a way that we'll get to in a little bit. And they and they say that sugar is the secret fifth element, <laughs> which is, I mean... All right. I mean, uh, how many RPGs have we played where it's you know earth, wind, fire, and water spells yeah. of some nature interacting? And I guess this is—I I assume this is another you know parody of you know ancient Greek level alchemy. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the meat flows like—I mean, plastic flows like water here, but so does meat. And you, um, <laughs> a striking point early on is when you have to uh, ride this um, swan-shaped pedalo uh, through uh, through the meat fountains. I love that. <laughs> Damn the weird. sound that plays when you're swimming through the meat is probably my favorite sound effect in the game. It's, it's really gross. good. It's really sloppy. <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of good sound effects. I, I'm still really attached to the judge's meow, though. That, that's pretty great. <laughs> so you, um, so you fight through zone zone one until you reach Alma and you come to um, come to Dead End's office, um, and you, he. He feels frustrated that you've been killing the specters because that's his job as the as the ruler of this area, um, and you know he challenges you to the first boss fight in the game. And I guess there's not a lot to say here other than the bosses in these games have in, the bosses in this game uh, have far too many hit points for their own good. Um, yeah, and like yes. I guess I guess they want you to look at that art and listen to the music, but um, these battles just go on for far too long, and they're not challenging. I mean. You know, your main verbs are to, you know, just keep laying on attack skills and healing when necessary. And like Fight some magic item run, yeah. question mark. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, some bosses allow you to poison them, but not very many. Um, and poison is extremely potent in this game, whether you're using it on foes or having it used on you. So it's worth trying. <laughs> the only times any of my characters fell or came close to falling was due to poison because it's yeah the, the skills and combat are really rudimentary as you mentioned and uh again the, those bo- those bosses are, are more just an exercise of you know attrition and attention span rather than skill like uh and and the art is immediate is admittedly quite striking especially the, uh, yeah. the boss of zone two which we can get to soon i guess but uh, I oh, that made me kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> but we can talk about it. But uh, I, I basically agree. Like a lot, a lot of the fighting in off seems pointless, and I wish there was less of it. And the and that includes the boss HP levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, defeating Dead End gives us the um, cancer card uh, to enter Zone Two. Each time you beat a boss of an area, you get the 
you get a, a zodiac theme card that a- allows you entry into the next area. And um, Zone Two is this uh, this kind of pink sparse metropolis that you mentioned earlier, uh, which uh, starts centered around this deep blue library, uh, which is full of fake books and books and fake bookshelves. And uh, the first thing you see when you get to this library is these uh, the the librarian and um, and somebody else is they're they're upset that somebody's been tearing the pages out of books and that's it could be very, very I dangerous. I was upset that someone was tearing pages out of books. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. <laughs> but um, right there there are f- put, put that put that guy in you know candy jail or whatever's going on <laughs> in this world. Like to the point where they're afraid to go on the floor where the torn out book pages are. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a whole lot to say here. You, um, you know, you you find these pages throughout the library and and determine by I think each of the pages in these torn out books they're printed with a different um, suit uh, and number of a uh, of a card uh, of a deck of cards, and you have to match up the uh, pages with the appropriate books, and that uh, unlocks the fourth floor of the library where. You're, um, where you first meet the boss of this area, which is a cat who looks like the judge who calls himself Jaffet, the uh, the ruler of the area, um, and and he's he's an interesting one. He's um, yeah, he he seems less um, less aggressive than Dedan was, but but definitely uh, he's frustrated. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's um, disillusioned and frustrated that he's the ruler of the area, but no one will pay attention to him. Yeah, I think like after you beat him, you go back outside, and he's like giving a speech to the townspeople who are like, "Oh, look at the cute kitty." Where's that voice coming from? Yep, mm-hmm. that's um, right, right, right around the midpoint. Um, yeah, when you're going through the residential area. Okay, it was at that point. Um, um, before you fight Jeffett. Yeah, um, I gotta say, my favorite part of this area was um, summoning the pedalo to take you to the amusement park, where. Um, They've closed down the roller coaster because it's too scary. So, like the, the new the new roller coaster is just like a bunch of office chairs lined up on the lawn, and everybody's sitting on them, and they're like, "Oh no, this is a bit much." Yeah. <laughs> and then, like you, you unlock this path to the roller coaster, and you end up um, uh, like pushing a statue of the shopkeeper into the roller coaster with you, and you guys ride together and get a photograph taken. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can use that. To, you can use that to get into the boss's office and get some treasure chests. Yeah, that's that's lovely. That was a very nice RPG style puzzle. I enjoyed that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, the, and you can sell the uh, the photo later for five hundred gold or whatever. Or whatever oh, can you? Oh, I game. I kept I kept both photos till the end. Um, I had a photo of me riding a solo as well. And I'd look, <laughs> I'd look at them from time to time near the end of my quest to remember how things were when things were easier. Oh, that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> but we should talk about the eventual boss fight against Jaffet because yeah. it's—I I think it's—it's it's one of the most visually interesting fights in the game, and mm-hmm. also kind of sad because I mean, you find yeah, this, well, the story of why Jaffet feels the way he does. Um, you know, he created this area as a utopia, and then like all of the townspeople became too neurotic and obsessed with. Uh, keeping safe, uh, which is you know why the library is the way it is and why the amusement park is the way it is, and um, Jaffet just completely flipped out about this and, and you know lost his mind and and got got these delusions of of I'm going to make this the best world no matter what. <laughs> and um, when when we confront Jaffet, um, I think the judge appears and he's like, well, that's not Jaffet, that's my brother Valerie, 
Um, yeah, yeah, and, and earlier in, in the yeah, mall, go on. Uh, in the mall, the judge tells you that his uh, he has a brother Valerie that he thinks lives in the mall, but he hasn't seen him around in a while. And uh, and when you fight Jaffet, the judge uh, joins you up the tower and says, "Wait, wait," and said, "What do you mean, Jaffet? You're uh, Valerie, isn't that you? This is my brother Valerie." And uh, it it comes to uh, it comes to be revealed that Jaffet is a bird or who might even be a, a phoenix or something hmm. and uh who is possessed the body of ju- of the judge's brother valerie and so throughout yeah. the boss battle you see the tiny bird emerge from the cat and it <coughs> and eventually like you're fighting this massive firebird with like the with uh, with the skin or the corpse of a cat hanging off <laughs> its head which is a little disturbing, especially if you, in, you know, enjoy cats as many of us do. And uh, and and I and I have to wonder: Did like Jaffet do that intentionally, or did poor Valerie catch and eat a bird only not without realizing that it was a powerful phoenix god? Well, that's what that's what Jaffet says. He says that yeah. that Valerie caught him and ate him, but he didn't die. That was it, right? So yeah, so that's... okay. I wasn't totally sure, which is, it doesn't make it any less effed up. Yeah. <laughs> The judge is watching while this happens, and he gets pretty upset by it. And right, as he would. And once once you defeat Jaffet, um, the judge kind of you know he he loses his stoicness and his um, you know like mysterious mentor qualities, and just kind of has a little bit of a of of a breakdown in grief, and uh, he goes off to uh, to try and work things out and get over it as you would. It's pretty sorrowful. It's really, uh, I really like the idea. So, you know, like, when you're playing, like, Final Fantasy and you're fighting, like, the final boss and he keeps, like, changing forms and he gets, like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. bigger and bigger or whatever. And, like, this is, like, a really great subversion, like, really, like, horrible subversion of that. Um, <laughs> it really is. It's, like, I think that battle's one of the more, like, more effective surprises in the whole game. It's, like, if he didn't know that was going to happen, like, it's really shocking that it happens, and, like, I've never seen anything quite like that in a video game before, so I thought that was a really effective moment. It's, it's yeah, I, I, creepy. I don't, I don't think the... Tra- yeah, it is freaky. I don't think the transforming affects gameplay the way it does in, you know, in, like, the final boss of a, of a Dragon Quest game. I mean, I mean, doesn't doesn't Sorrow the Manslayer transform, like, five times in his fight in Dragon Quest Four? Something uh, like that, uh, yeah. At, at least. <laughs> yeah, so, something like that. So this is uh, again a this isn't even my final form kind of joke, mm-hmm. uh, or or you know spoof of that RPG boss battle thing. But maybe it's like a, um, Final with, Fantasy with a, Mystic Quest where he transforms when he has less hit points. Right, but but it's mm-hmm. a I mean they add in a you know cat and bird body horror element that I neither expected nor wanted. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty horrible. So uh, beating Jaffet, um, that that purifies zone too. I should have mentioned earlier. Whenever we beat one of these bosses and and purify a zone, uh, these chapters, um, if you could call them that, are are punctuated by um, a scene of um, of a like a coughing child or like a coughing baby in this room who um, you know remarks that remarks that one of these rulers has died, and he doesn't seem very happy about the proceedings. Um, and we'll find out more about this kid later. Um, but we move on to Zone 3, which is this um, factory district where um, probably my least favorite part of the game, you get this stamp card um, that functions as a map. Uh, and if you don't 
if you oh, go okay. into this big yeah. room and if you mm-hmm. don't adhere to this map uh, perfectly, you'll trigger a not insignificant random battle and then um, get teleported out of the room and have to uh, start over again. So um, when it gives you a, a couple of paths that you have to follow and follow on to each other in a very specific way, and it's um, it's really annoying and not good. Yeah, it, it, it is annoying. Um, it does help that it's not that hard to go back and heal yourself to full because save yeah. points are um, are abundant in this game, and they do heal you to full um, health and mana or whatever the they uh, do. The that's 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 wonderful. Yeah, that, that, that another reason why the battles feel pointless is that it's really easy. There's like like before before you're even thinking about using a an item to heal yourself. There's another save point to to heal you up to full. Hmm. But I, I agree that part was annoying, and also the um uh, around the middle of or actually I guess towards the end of zone three, there's a bunch of corridors of uh of just doors and doors and doors with about with about a third of them be, have it being openable with stuff inside, hmm. and you know culminating in a slightly weird, slightly challenging uh, sort of number code puzzle about putting uh, about picking up a Super Nintendo controller and entering oh, in yes. a certain code. <laughs> yeah. you, had to, you had to find a map to find out what letters corresponded to which buttons and then another note for what buttons to press. The and note was the a... game's readme, readme file. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I that was the only puzzle in the game where I I just I, I just said, "You know what? Screw this. I'm just going to look up something online." And they, and they and I was able to find it there. It, yeah, like like Zone 3 has um frustrating puzzles, a uh and and then has a slightly, you know, gnarly um uh theme to it when you discover where the sugar comes from, where they they're just they they they're scooping up murdered uh denizens of this land and throwing them into a furnace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is also where this is after a very a very odd, odd mini game where you have to jump through a chimney and dodge ghosts. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> so it doesn't really good. work, but I like it. <laughs> but this is also the chapter where because the judge is um, having his breakdown, um, Zachary the shopkeeper is filling in the role of the judge, and he's done so like he's he's like torn off. Valerie's face and he's wearing it as a mask and he's just making meowing sounds when you talk to him and it's just so sinister and horrible after you know after everything that's happened to the judge's brother and the judge's grief and then here comes the the smiling shopkeep wearing the cat's face like it's a big joke and yeah and the shopkeep is also a bit of a weirdo in his own right yeah so he's already got a mask on so he's put like a cat's face as a mask over his mask and He's he's something else. Um, I don't really know what's up with that guy. I, he gave me a bad feeling all the way through, but it seems like maybe that's a little <laughs> bit unfounded. But yeah, Zone Three. It's an ex- incredibly authoritarian area where there's there's rules everywhere. You know, case in point being, um, you know, follow this map or be attacked by ghosts. And um, there's you know signs everywhere. There's like a, an authoritarian poster saying in, in the dorm saying you must have good dreams. <laughs> You know, but yeah, you know, you find out that these people are being cremated and turned and, you know, caramelized and burned down into sugar. And it's, um, it's a bad old time in there. This is where, uh, this is where the battle music changes as well and becomes like a, in, instead of the kind of goofy old timey, um, chopped and screwed remix they were using, um, it becomes a much more sinister, um, kind of industrial percussive piece. So this, it kind of feels like this whole chapter is like a little bit of a turning point where, everything kind of has gone to hell 
Um, I mean, there is still some comedy, but um, it feels a lot more sparse here in what was already a very, very sparse yeah. game. And, and this also, I, I thought personally, lent more credence to my original theory that this was hell or purgatory, mm-hmm. because th- this is the kind of activity you might see there. But and 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 I don't think that is actually what the what's going on in the game. But um, yeah, it, it's you know, it, it's a disturbing theme. It has some of the more frustrating areas to navigate. Uh, I, I think the only really the only cool parts of Zone Three are the chimney mini game and maybe the uh, the boss of it, which is amusingly a uh, you know a oh the boss rules yeah a corporate director who is so massive and obese that he takes up an entire room. <laughs> Enoch, this fat smiling man, um, and he he calls this sugar factory his fortress, and he says you know people were happy there until specters invaded. Um, and he can't figure out why, uh, why all the dead spirits are lingering. And I think it's probably because people are being thrown into his furnace. Um, but I, I really love the way this guy looks. He's just so perfectly rotund and he's got these rosy cheeks. Um, and, um, and he chases you down a hall. <laughs> and it's, um, it's pretty great. I, I, en- I enjoyed Enoch more than the rest of the, that part of the game. I really enjoyed the batter's bombast and speaking to him as well. He's got this very kind of like anime or RPG hero or or even villain kind of monologue. He's like, you demented child of evil. The last uh, grain of stand has fallen through your hourglass. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. And um, you, the first time you fight Enoch, you have to run away from him because he's just too powerful. But once he chases you down the hall... Um, because he's so fat, he tires himself out, and that gives you a chance to, that gives you a chance to finally beat him. Um, and when you do, he, you know, he reveals that whenever, uh, a, a leader of one of these zones dies, it's, uh, destined to disappear, uh, and all people in it will disappear. Um, and that kind of gives us the hint to go back and see some of this optional, uh, optional, uh, material, which is going back to the zones that have been purified. And, and you can do this, at any time, but this was the first time I really had the thought to go and do it. And going there, you'll see it's exactly as Enoch said, and everything is pure white. We mentioned that uh, there's we mentioned that there's these secretary demons that populate the world as quite frequent random encounters. Like all the signs have been wiped of their um, of of their legible text, and all the people have been wiped out. So it's a bizarre RPG where maybe your quest isn't that noble after all. Horrifying. You're just trying to purify the world, man. Because I was really curious, like, what, you know, when you go back to the worlds, like, what are they like? And, um, yeah, it almost turns into, like, a horror survival game because the random encounters are so difficult. Yeah. And, uh, like, if you try to fight, like, a couple battles, like, you're going to be on the, you know, on the verge of a game over. So I ended up running away from most of those fights. Um, but once you get to the purified world and zone three, like they're so, the, probably their stats are so high or whatever that it's really hard to run away from the fights. And so it's like, it's like legitimately scary. Like you don't want to die and like have to do it all over again. And, yeah. and those so. are the, uh, especially in, in purified zones two and three, that's where, uh, they can poison you with almost every hit. And before you know it, your health is down to one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the poison, uh, burn is really intense in this game, but they just—they uh, look uh, horrible I mean, too. Yeah, you do get good items and equipment if you navigate through them. But I 
basically hacked through zones zero and one and did just the beginning of zone two. It's like, you know what? I, I and oh, and beginning of zone three and and decided that I didn't need to do this and maybe I could just beat the game. Yeah. <laughs> and this was literally yesterday evening I was doing this. So I'm like, mm. I. <laughs> I, uh, I like because I, I beat this game in two sittings. I should mention the whole thing is probably about five hours. Mm-hmm. I, I was ready to beat the game by then, but it's. I, I guess if you want more of the combat, you can engage in that, but it's really not necessary. Well, you can um, you can get the game's equivalent of like the Silent Hill two dog ending by um, going back through these areas. Oh oh really? yeah. oh yeah the secret ending yeah you we'll get the have to ending. mention that at the end. It was, was, that, was, that the, was that the choice you make at the end? No. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. Each of the purified areas um, has an item. Uh, it's it's prefaced with uh, prefaced with the um, adjective "great," uh, and each corresponds to one of the elements of the world. Uh, and once. Oh in, yeah, I definitely got at least one of those. Yeah. Okay. The the grand finale, the grand dragonal, the grand spectral, the grand break brachial. And the Grand Chocolatier. Um, and w- 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 once you gather them all, you can trade them to the shopkeeper for either the best bat in the game or uh, the mysterious Ares card. But we'll we'll get to that at the end because we're coming up because you know this this is a short game. We're coming up to the end game here, uh, and this is where um, I think this is where off transforms from from being a relatively surreal but narrative adventure into something a little bit more uh, guided but still abstract. It felt a little bit more like something like something like Yuminiki in a way. Um, you're, the judge is no longer with you, characters are no longer with you, and you're just kind of going through the paces, but you're kind of watching it unfold in front of you and you're not really sure what anything means. The first thing you do in this final area is you go to this um you go to this house that's illustrated like by it looks like crayon scribbles like a child has drawn this you know it, it extends to the battle screen which you know the the each of the battle screens says battle time on the side of it and in this area it's drawn in like a very very childish poor uh cursive and so we start to get the story of this boy who we've seen coughing in between chapters like his parents have left him alone and he's he has to take these pills that he doesn't like and he misses his father, but he doesn't really like his father. And, and it's, it's a bad old time for him. And as we, as we traverse this area, we like the batter kind of takes on the role of this boy and lives a few days in his life. Um, you know, like leaves his bedroom and meets, meets the bosses that you've beaten before. Um, dead end Jaffet and, and Enoch and he befriends them. Like he gives, gives dead end a, ca- a calendar and um he gives uh Jaffet a book and then he convinces Jaffet and his bird pals to lift Enoch out of a hole that he's fallen into <laughs> and um when the four of these people meet and spend time together these three they're all they're all not how not how they appeared in the game when you were fighting them they're all like very good hearted you utopian philosophers who just want to make the best possible best possible world and you get these hints that there was Um, a world and there was some kind of apocalypse or cataclysm that has torn it asunder um mike please go ahead i was just mentioning after you you know do some very brief fetch questing to help out enoch jaffet and didan 
they mentioned uh, they each mentioned what their dream is and how Didan wants to make a place where everyone that wants to work can work and Jafet uh, wants a place where everyone can live comfortably and uh Enoch wants to make cakes for everyone yeah and it, and it look and it feels like these were um people that uh that that the child or the um the you know the the, the child whom the batter is taking steps in the life of met like like the, the the child met these three friendly friendly guys and made friends with them and then made them the leaders of a world that he created i i guess but then um over time just everything uh, after the cataclysmic event or maybe just or maybe maybe just you know sort of the darkness creeping out uh turned the, uh, these the, these genuine good people and sort of twisted their uh their utopias a little bit i wonder a part of me has to wonder if they exist or if i don't because they're very uh, seeing them in this way they're very simplistic like you would find in a child's story like you know uh, you know, as you said, he wants you know he wants people to work because that's what adults do, and and comfort and happiness is good too. And then also making delicious cakes for everybody. It's a very very childish look at uh, what makes a good society. And and, and also, Dedan is unusually tall, and uh, Enoch is of course massive. So it made me think of like a child maybe meeting adults, and mm-hmm. the adults seemed impossibly tall and impossibly large to him. Mm. He calls them the tall so- Mister and the big Mister. Right. <laughs> and, so I, I, I'm, yes. I'm not sure if, the, if this was a real child who met real people or if this, this was, you know, some kind of dream or some kind of otherness. I, I don't I don't know. This, this game is not easy to understand moment to moment. <laughs> I kind of think that's one of its strengths. It leaves itself up to so much interpretation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if we should just jump right into that. Um, Nilsson, do you have any thoughts on that? Um. Well, I was listening to you guys talk about, like, these three colorful characters, and we were talking earlier about how your three party members are, like, these, like, anti-personalities. Yeah. And then, like, if there was a JRPG from um, the little boy uh, Hugo's perspective, like, those would be his three party members, um, which is kind of, I don't know, that's just something that I thought of. Interesting. Um, yeah, the yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know. He's very obviously a kid with a with a lot of imagination. Like you when you're traversing this area, the map is like a child's scribbles of like a world map and um you find these comics in his room that functions as like a little uh a little like side RPG in itself where like the bo- I, I should mention the that Boxman and the Batman, the Ballman. Yeah. I think was it Boxman or Boxer with the, two X's? Yeah, it's the Boxer with two X's fighting the Ballman yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ballville. Yeah, Boxer, Boxer versus Ballman was my favorite mini game of this because <laughs> it was just it was just running in a straight line and engaging in random battles where you dealt thousands of damage and just communicated power and heroism in, in a way that, <laughs> that was clearly just like a like a ridiculous chapter of a shonen manga or something it's like yeah this is my kind of joint why couldn't the whole game be boxer <laughs> the graphics in that section are really beautiful too like the pixel art's really spot on they, me- they mentioned like in the, in bad the credits, street brawler um, yeah, yeah no, in the credits they mentioned a different artist and or animator for that whole segment so it was th- th- that was a, a guest spot as it were mm. but it, it looks fantastic i agree mm. yeah but um 
so these these three these three leaders they're uh, they're going to be in service of of the queen. And whether she's a real queen or not, it's not entirely sure, just like everything else. But it is very obvious that this queen is the idealized version of of Hugo's absent mother. And she's symbolized on this map as uh, a sun that's shining in the sky. But um, when you try to go there at first, it says Mama's not here. So he's a, he's a kid who's been left on his own um, to, you know, deal with this debilitating illness as well as I guess retreat into fantasy or make friends whatever your interpretation of, uh, of this plot is and the game becomes more and more fragmented and strange at this point um, like you'll go through a door and you'll be back at the title screen where the only choice is to continue and you've got these three uh, save slots which don't correspond to your saves um, which function as basically like three different doors and you know you have to um do number you know accomplish goals get number puzzles and you know get numbers to solve puzzles with and, and go back and forth between these three saves um it's, it's uh, a clever little twist i liked it the twist and traveling between the three saves i thought was awesome it was it was very clever yeah i didn't it get it at first it was great yeah i i, th- I thought that the, i thought that i'd screwed up and the game glitched or something i because <laughs> and i had experienced glitches Twice earlier in uh, in two areas in the same in the you, you remember the place where you have to press shift to look at the map that we mentioned was annoying yeah yeah um, I, I pressed shift too many times that it it switched to a shift filter on my PC and it, oh. which, which made the game crash and then uh, j- just after that there's a segment where you have to um, find a password by using your the uh, like the the scan or peep spell on an enemy um, and, and put that enemy's name into a uh, into a uh, a you know an alphabet door, pad. yeah but um but Bonky. the version of the game yeah, the version of the game I was playing uh, and, and and you're right it's, it, Von Gacy is the name of the enemy the version of the game I was playing didn't have a space bar in the letter mm-hmm. pad same here so yeah so I had to <laughs> so I was trying to use it with brackets and trying different spellings and just it, it drove me crazy for a second until I just tried to do it without the space and that was that and that solved it Yep, but but uh, so again, with the the save section, the different phases of it uh, are chapters counting down from five to one. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but that, that whole save file thing, entering different versions of the room in that chapter, I, was very clever. But also, as my least favorite part puzzle in the game, where you're, <laughs> uh, at the end of one hall, there is a uh, um a, a sort of a design or some uh, por- uh some painting or tapestry or something. Oh, and, this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, th- and then when you, and then later, and then in a different save file in the same chapter, there is uh, a leaf pattern and a bunch of blank circles, and you're supposed to basically pre- uh, press the circles or activate the circles that have the leaf pattern pointing in that direction. And it did not, it was not clear to me at first. <laughs> yeah. You really need to take a screenshot, and even then, like that pattern that you see on this tapestry or it looks like the back of like a playing card it's just so intricate that it takes you a while yeah. to twig uh what you're supposed it's, to be doing it's it's a bunch of leaves pointing in different directions and you have to find the six leaves that are pointing i think to the left that's right and it, which is not not easy it's, i mean it's looking it's like looking into a magic eye poster or something it's just this uh this imparsable pattern hmm. but uh so that's my least favorite puzzle in the game and i've, I've been rambling too on uh too much sorry <laughs> Yeah, I love the the save file shenanigans. I think that was is really smart. And I don't really yeah, I I loved that. Um I love the part where you're walking down the hallway 
and like you're walking, like your uh, character sprite is upside down. Right. Yeah. That was, that was really amazing because like it's the same exact like control scheme, but like it really is kind of disorienting, which I wouldn't have thought would be the case, but it was like really disorienting when you first see it and then you walk down the hallway and um the character sprite slowly like shifts back to like the right orientation i thought that was really cool <laughs> i really yeah, love that it, it was commu- it looked like it was communicating that you were walking upside down but then the you know the space you were uh walking on curved or something but you maintained the gravity of, um, of walking along that path like a. Uh, I don't know, like like a gravity boot segment in a Ratchet and Clank game or something, or or maybe like Sonic running a loop the loop. But it was a <laughs> it, it was a very very cool visual effect that was a little dis- like you said, Nilsson, a little disorienting, but ultimately like whoa, whoa, yeah. that was neat. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there are any other points like that in the final segment that were really unique. I really liked when you go to uh, you go to the house like that shack or whatever, and the tile set, it looks like a real RPG Maker tile set that does, like, yeah. put, like, a Photoshop uh, filter on. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool in, like, a, a jarring way. And it's got those trees that really don't belong with everything else that's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the also, sky is really, uh, really great. It has a great texture to it. Hmm. And they brought back the uh, the French calendar puzzles, which I'm not sure I wanted back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a bit of a confusing part of chapter one, or I'm sorry, zone one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's early on. There's some uh, calendar pages that have scribbles on them, and you have to like parse what these scribbles mean to answer some questions. Um, and they're they're pretty basic, but they're um, disorienting at first. And um, yeah, it comes back later in a slightly different way, but it's. Um, I can't say it was my favorite part, but I did like these these scanned calendar pages. Once you once you ring everything out of this uh, final zone, uh, you have your last save point and your last chance to go back uh, to to previous zones. Um, this was the point that I did go back and start um, seeking out these hidden items. Um, and there's there's not a whole lot to say that we haven't said already about the purified zones, but there was one thing that just like. Like absolutely killed me, and that was going to the top of the library, and you can hear, oh, yeah. you can hear um, a, a sound effect of like a real cat crying, and you you get up to the top, and it's the judge, and he's like crying out in grief, asking where his brother is, and he's just like, like crying out and listening to the echo, and hoping that like the echo is his his brother replying to him. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> this, this really sucks. Largely, this is a pretty goofy game, but um, that that pathos worked on me, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a cat person, but um, it um, that that hopelessness really really did something for me. But um, you you have your final encounter with the shopkeeper, um, and he says um, he says Bin the Vince- shopkeeper, uh, yeah, uh, in uh, uh, right before the final boss, he the shopkeeper appears one last time, and he says okay, okay. Uh, he says Bin Vincent, Kesara Vincent in Victoria. This, okay, I, 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 I do remember the, the Latin. <laughs> I, had to look, I, I, I had to look this up to see if this was a thing, because I'm stupid, and this is a thing. This is a, this is a quote from uh, Publius Cyrus, a uh, first century writer, uh, and it means he who conquers twice is he who conquers himself once he is victorious. So um, make of that what you will. And, um, and that, this, this takes us up to this um, 
final confrontation with the, with the queen, um, Hugo's mother, who warns us that this is not a good thing to be doing, and she expresses uh, disappointment uh, in um, in your actions, but the um, the batter is is completely undeterred. And you, uh, you have this final battle where, uh, the, the queen has her own add-ons that are aiding her. Uh, yours are, uh, Alpha, Omega, and, uh, Epsilon. Epsilon. And then hers are Delta, Sigma, and Ypsilon. Um, so, like, she's the, you know, she's the antithesis to the batter. And, um, rather than these, these circles, she's got, like, these intricate kind of, kind of like fairy wings, almost. Um, still very, very basically drawn, but there's a m- much more regal, complementation to her than than your sparse uh sparse circles and her attacks are like these uh these these warnings that wound you like uh the screen will go dark and she'll say something like like abusingly she'll say no dessert for you or like i'm just terribly disappointed once you put the queen down she she defeatedly says uh she asks uh would you like some cake my love uh he has your eyes and the batter replies, "His eyes are full of fear," and um, and that's when we get to like this this final final encounter, which is this uh, the uh, this battle with uh, with Hugo, who's uh, crying in his room, and he just sits and cries while you just bludgeon him to death with your bat. I thought that it's was gonna good. be like a battle. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be one of those battles where like you can like not attack the enemy, and then uh-huh. like something else will happen. But it wasn't the case. Like you you have to kill him yeah or you have to you have to at least fight him it's kind of like these these kind of moments are kind of telegraphed early on as well like there's there's one point in zone three where uh where a tram is stopped and you have to go out onto the tracks and uh you have an encounter with uh one of these one of these workers with a burnt face but um he doesn't attack he just keeps saying help me over and over again and he's got loads of hit points so you're just like Mm. wailing on him while he just keeps saying (laughs) help me and he defends, which makes the battle go on for a little bit further. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, once we once we once we kill Hugo, um, his last words are, "I am scared of the dark." And the batter replies, "From now on, there will be no more darkness." And we walk down this hall uh, past Hugo's room, where there's there's a switch on a wall. Uh, but before we can reach the switch, um, the batter is stopped by the judge, uh, who expresses. Uh, disappointment and fury at the batter, uh, but also at the player for um, killing killing a wife and son. And whether that means the batter's wife and son, I think they're kind of hinting that it is. He he shouts, "You have not purified this place. You've destroyed it, eradicated it, and immersed it into pristine nothingness." Um, and uh, I should have detected the black flame that consumed your soul from the beginning. And that gives us this final choice, whether to... The judge makes this impassioned... Well, not not impassioned. Um, he's pretty exasperated because he's seen what you've done. And he's like, well, look, you can keep doing this or you can just help me out and put this guy down. Um, and uh, and that's where we have our final choice, whether to uh, be the batter and kill the judge or to be the judge and kill the batter. Um, Nielsen, what did you do? Oh, man. Well, I definitely did both. Like, as soon as I did one, I did the other. Yeah. But I... I went with uh I stuck with the batter the first time. Oh yeah? And I and I fought the judge because at that point, you know, man, what else what else can I do? I'm already <laughs> I'm already in it. I'm in it to win it. And it's real sad and horrible 
and you just feel like such a such a jerk, you know, fighting this guy. You killed his brother, and now you're you're gonna kill him. You uh, you hit the switch, and and I love this moment. It says the switch is off, <laughs> which is the name of the game. And I kid you not, like I didn't remember that it did that. I like I was. I was like laying in bed playing this game and I jumped out of my bed and I was like, what? Like, yes. Like, I love when that happens. Like, I love when they like go back to the title and the, and the text. Like, I love that. So that was like a real, it was like a bittersweet moment. Cause like I knew I was, mm. I was being an asshole, but it was like a great game moment. And then I immediately went and did the other ending. It's especially powerful because you you don't know what the name what why this game is called off and it's never really alluded to why until that moment and it's right. like um it felt to me like it's like a takedown of of the entire JRPG you know you you've done what you've what you've told what you've been told you've you've killed all of the hostiles and not you've killed every killable in this world the game yeah. is over and then you press the switch to turn the game off because it's done <laughs> But, um, oh, I didn't think I didn't think of that interpretation, but I, I'm, I'm, my interpretation is probably all wrong. But, yeah, but please, I, 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 I think I, I, all I interpretations like... are valid here. So please, Mike, <laughs> do continue. Okay, well, um, I, I envision this game as a little boy named Hugo who has some kind of terminal disease and has an absent father and a mother that at one point coddled him, and the boy eventually perhaps became absent herself as well, and. I believe that the batter, who the boy visualizes as his as his missing father, yeah, is the disease who's killing the boy. Hmm. So the, the boy has who has been stuck in his room for um, maybe for a long, long time, uh, came up with these elaborate fantasy worlds with these uh, with these larger than life uh, characters inhabiting them um, for you know for portions of his sickness. But then as his, as he became more and more afraid of death, the worlds became. Uh, Full of ghosts and the happy characters that he had dreamed up started up, to, you know, took on dark turns, and uh, and the batter who repre- again represents the disease and the boy dying, basically purifies or or kills or the the boy forgets these worlds one by one until the uh, the batter confronts you know the boy's positive memory of his mother, his protecting angel. I envisioned her and the, the and her and her uh, add-ons as sort of angelic wings instead of fairy wings. Mm. And at and at the very end the um the batter confronts the judge who's like the Hugo's last vestige of consciousness and uh and the turning the switch off is the boy dying. And if you mm-hmm. choose to the judge to fight back against the batter, then the boy is the, the boy's mind is gone, and perhaps he lives on as a vegetable. Is my was my mm-hmm. weird interpretation of all of this? Oh, uh, I wouldn't say that's too weird. I mean, that sounds like I think that's a very valid reading of what's there. I, and I, I kind of like the metaphor of going through an adventure, and at the end, you turn the game off. I, mm. I think I think that's that's sort of wonderful. Well, and, like uh, I kind of think that's that was just like <laughs> I think it can be read in many different ways. But I'm sorry, yes. do, do continue. No, that, that was basically it. Like I, I, uh, I, I, um, I, I didn't really know what to think of uh, going through this game again. Again, my first guess was that this was some kind of crusader cleansing some kind of underworld. Yeah. But uh, but but towards the end, I 
I, I figured, okay, this is in the mind of a person because uh, as you were going back through chapters and and seeing the life of this boy, I knew that the game had to be about the boy somehow. And and after I beat the game and thought about it a lot, I figured that this was the, a child going through the last stages of a terminal disease, which is, which is how I interpreted interpreted it. Yeah. But the game is open enough to interpretation that there are. I don't think there's an invalid reading of it. I, I, I had a certain satisfaction finishing it. Like um, the fact that this game was not very long and was mm-hmm. so thought provoking and had so many moments of uh, of you know interesting satire and humor mm-hmm. that I ultimately was, huh? That was a dope little game. <laughs> Good on you, off. <laughs> um, I do feel much the same view uh, as your your interpretation of what's going on. I think that this entire world is. Um, a creation of, of Hugo's imagination in the last stages of his life. Um, and, you know, he, he talks about how in his journal that he doesn't really like his father. Uh, and, you know, he has to deal with this disease and his father brings his, him this comic book that he doesn't like, which is Boxer Trouble in Ballville. Uh, where yeah, Hugo where the, was absolutely incorrect because the Boxer versus Ballman comic is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> but, like, the, the villain of this piece is the Ballman. So, uh, I don't know, is his... Is his father uh, violent, um, or you know, or does he just see his father as as this as this villain who's just not there for him? And when he is there, he's making him take pills he doesn't want to take. So he's created he's he's created his father as this as this batter character who you know like maybe there's an element of toxic masculinity there. He's you know swinging around this massive phallic object and like bludgeoning the only woman in the world to death. Um, and and his friends and and, and yeah, mention, everybody. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not sure if we've mentioned this yet, but when you kill ghosts or and and all three bosses before the um before the chapter with the room, there's blood splatter. Yeah, that, that appears in this game, and it's and it's a you know it's a very you know like you you hear like a splat sound effect with blood splatter after defeating certain enemies, which is you know quite you know viral violent and visceral in its way, and so if you interpret the game as the boy seeing his fantasy world destroyed by this batter uh it, i mean the batter is really the is really a violent you know uh horrendous villain hmm. <laughs> when you put it that way of like the the uh sounds and the blood splatter it's just made me think of like uh taking ness's actions in earthbound to its logical conclusion of going to town <laughs> on all those all those animals and people with his mr baseball bat <laughs> yikes <laughs> I have to wonder if the uh, if the bat was uh, was an intentional reference. I wouldn't put it past him. I, I think that Earthbound is an influence to this game, especially like I mean, parts of it feel like you know your uh, um, uh, oh shoot, um, what's the alternate foreside called? Um, Moonside. Moonside. Yeah, yeah this I, is I, a whole like, game I, of Moonside, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, it's like this is the whole game of Moonside and Magicant. And, and for, for a second, I was trying to—I was about to say Dark Side, but I knew that was wrong. But uh, maybe I've been playing, you know, uh, too much DC Comics Injustice. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's quite possible that the choice of a batter was because of Earthbound again, mm-hmm. because Earthbound was—I I, would—I I assume or interpret Earthbound as an influence. Mm-hmm. I was also um, really reminded of Paranoia Agent. Yeah, uh, Lil Slugger, Satoshi Kone. Yeah. Yeah, and like this, like dude with a baseball bat who just like goes to all these places and like beats people up and, for and like also, n- no reason. 
Yeah. And also, and also, the Slugger character is a creation of the people's minds in uh, in Paranoia Agent. So, which, which also actually fits with it. No, it's oh, fine. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is a bit of like a sinister, like a, a a sinister homage to Satoshi Kon going on here. Most definitely, that's a very that's a very astute observation. Um, actually, this game came out right around the same time Paprika did, so I don't think Paprika could have been an influence, but 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 Paranoia Agent for sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's the hidden ending. <laughs> yes. Which I, I, I know nothing about this hidden ending, so do tell. Nelson, would you like to film Mike in? Well, so you go to all the purified worlds, and you get all the those items. And then you have to go back to Zone Zero, I believe, and you fight an NPC that's chained up in one of, in like the basement of Zone Zero. Yeah. And... Oh. It, there seems like there's like some backstory with this character. Her name not... is Sugar. Yeah, her name is Sugar, and I don't. Who who knows <laughs> what the backstory is? Um, and she has like a million HP, more HP than like all other enemies. And then uh, you can you poison her though, and poison works really well. Yes, I didn't know that. I looked it up after, and I was like, ah, oh, I, I wish I poisoned her because. Yeah, that oh, would have been okay. And then you go up to Zachary, if I'm remembering this correctly, and then you can make a choice to get a key item or like the strongest baseball bat in the game. And if you take the key item, and then you you have it in your inventory when you beat the game, um, you 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 know you make your choice and like you see that ending, and that that all happens. And then after all of that, you see the spaceship. And then these apes come out of the spaceship. And... Wait, 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 okay. You see, you see the spaceship, and apes yeah. come out of the spaceship. Yes. Yeah. All right. And, uh... I, I don't, I don't feel there was <laughs> foreshadowing for this. Um, no, it's the dog ending, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they talk about how I think they say something like, now that like everyone's gone, like they can take over the world or something. Yeah, they're gonna build a factory and make killer robots. Yes. <laughs> And that's it. And then, and that's the ending. That's the real ending. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think that's the canon ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that sounds surreal and interesting. But I'm not sure I want to fight a boss with a million HP just to get just to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's off. <laughs> that I... sure was off. It's it's it, it was surreal and weird, but ultimately entertaining and thought provoking. I'm I'm glad I played it. I noticed that there was um, a special thanks to Suda, uh, Goichi Suda in the credits, and um, I think that's very fitting, because a lot of the dialogue in this game reminds me of um, uh, some of the stuff from the Silver Trilogy, like flowers, oh, yeah. the ab- absurd non-sequiturs in Flower, Sun, and Rain in particular. I, I think it's fitting that this guy is a Suda 5-1 fan. I, I, I'm not, I don't find it surprising. Yeah. So um, <laughs> what did we all think? <laughs> I, I I said my thoughts already. I guess yeah, I, uh, I guess um, so. I'll, but yeah, th- this game is not bad. If any of this conversation intrigued you at all, even though we spoiled the entire game over the course of this podcast, then I I think it's worth checking out. Hmm. Or if you have played it, well, hopefully you enjoyed us talking about it. Um, Nilsson, anything <laughs> anything else to say before we wrap up? Just the like like when you start playing the game like you're not really sure if it's going to be the real deal like it seems like it might you know be kind of shallow but uh 
once you start getting into it, like, it's real weird. Like, it's really legitimately weird and, like, legitimately worth your time if you're into, like, weird stuff or just, like, RPGs in general. Um, I don't think you would ever forget it. It's, like, a, it's a really cool game. I mean, I did download this when it was current, but... Um, I, I, I don't even think I ever got out of zone zero. I think I dropped off at the time, but, um, <laughs> I was really excited to give it a go for the show. And, and, um, in the end, I was really, really pleasantly surprised by it. And it, it does, um, it pulls off that weirdness in like, kind of like an effortless way. And it feels, um, it feels, um, absurd and surrealist, but at the same time, cohesive. And that like a lot of, a lot of thought and, and a lot of, a lot of love went into it. So, um, I, uh, it gets a, it gets a big old thumbs up from me, even with its, um, uh, even with its, uh, battle mechanics that don't, uh, exactly work in service to it. Um, the best part of the battles is the enemy art and that, I don't think it's even close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that wraps up, uh, this episode of Retro Encounter. Uh, thanks very much for joining me guys. Um, uh, next week we will be covering Undertale, uh, I hope a that game th- that I am ninety nine percent sure certain was influenced by this game. Uh, most okay. definitely, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of thematic crossover there, um, and we hope that fills you with determination. Uh, if you, <laughs> <laughs> um, segue segue plug. Uh, if you'd like to know about more weird uh, under the radar games like off. Uh, oh, I know where this is going. At RPG Fan, <laughs> this month, uh, I'm launching a new column called The Radar, which will collate uh, two or three unusual free or low-cost games um, at the last week of each month. Um, so uh, do do check back in at the main site. Um, and, and, we should, and we should mention, um, this game is available for free. You don't even need any uh, RPG Maker software to play it. It's... Uh, I found it on a download on the off wikia page the uh, the unofficial off wiki oh and nice there's pro- there's probably other places where you can find it with uh, one or two quick google searches so um yeah zero dollars uh safe downloads they're they're around mm-hmm. and yeah. I, and I think the total file size was like eighty megs yeah something like that with, it's a teeny little game <laughs> which is like maybe uh which is less than an n sixty four game i think <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want to write into the show, you can reach us at retro at rpgfan.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We read all of your emails and comments. Um, and you can also leave us an iTunes review, which always helps. Um, but uh, as we wrap up tonight, uh, Nilsson, where can people find you online? And is there anything um, you want to plug? Well, I'm uh, one of two people who run the RPG Fan Facebook and Twitter, so I'll be around. Hit me up. Yeah, you and you and Steph do a really tireless job. Um, oh, thanks. And, um, and uh, you're I very much appreciated. The, um, that is absolutely correct. And also, the Facebook page has been maybe more popping than I've ever seen it before. I, I have, it's pretty I, wild, I have yeah, editing, yeah. I have <laughs> editing powers on the Facebook page, and I get like ten plus notifications an hour. I I, I should be <laughs> honestly. But it's uh, but yeah, you and and Steph are crazy occupied with um, the social media activity we get, and both of you do is um, outstanding job. Oh, thanks, Mike. Where can people find you? Right, I am Monsoon on the forums. I am at the Real Monsoon and at Evoker for Dogs on Twitter and on the RPG Fan Discord, which is just called RPG Fan. And if you ask for permission to join, it, it will probably be granted quickly. Uh, I am Monsoon Mike. 
And I'm on the boards as Towns Carmarty, and I'm on Twitter at Misanthrobob. And um, hit me up, and we'll talk about weird games. And, um, you know, be sure to check out the radar when it launches at the end of January. Uh, but until next week, folks, uh, good night and good luck, to paraphrase one Mike Solosi. Bye, everybody. Bye. Happy little-